Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. to the Retail Corner Podcast. Today, we have with you guys Matthew Furneaux. He's a location technology veteran with over 20 years of experience in helping global businesses reach their customers. He currently works as the Director of Location Intelligence at Logate, a GBG company. Furneaux is responsible for strategy and innovation. He's also a retail and e-commerce expert, and while at Logate, he has worked with leading e-commerce brands, including Nordstrom, Sephora, Kohl's, Ralph Lauren, and Michaels. And before joining GBG, Matthew co-founded Global Address, uh, later acquired by Trillium Software, and Matthew will tell us a little bit more about what Global Address is. But Matthew, it's great to have you today. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really well, and great to see you, Carlos. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. You have... An extraordinary career. So let me let me take it back a little bit, right? Tell us a little bit more about what what is Global Address. What 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 was it that you were able to create, and and later sell, right? Which is, I think, it's every entrepreneur's dream, right? To create a, a company, really grow it, and then be able to sell that business and, and venture into other opportunities. Yeah, well, it's been a, a long time working with with location data, and uh, I don't know if that's a, a life wasted or, or a, a wonderful kind of rich life of <laughs> 23, 24 years working with uh, with humble addresses and locations and location data. Um, I kind of stumbled into it. My first kind of role in in location data was just needing to. Uh, I was recently married. We had our first uh, child on the way, and my job changed, and I landed a role with a company in uh, southern England that produced uh, software for big banks that helped them to get addresses right on their bank statements. And I, I just was intrigued that that software existed. I hadn't seen it ever before in my working life. Uh, previous to that, I'd worked in telecoms. And uh, an opportunity came to uh, internationalize that product. And then pretty quickly, the, the owner of that business uh, told us that he was selling. So myself and a colleague uh, decided that we could see a real future in helping businesses that were going cross-border. And bear in mind, this was in kind of like the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. More businesses in Europe, where I'm, I'm located, were starting to try and trade across uh, Europe and to find commercial opportunities in, in different parts of that continent. So we kind of figured if we could provide a single uh, platform or a single software solution that meant if they had customers in France or Germany or Spain or frankly anywhere that they'd yeah. be able to make sure that those customer addresses and locations were accurate so they could mail to them, ship to them, market to them, all the sort of fun things like that. So off we went. I'm not sure we really knew what we were doing, but we learned pretty fast. And uh, I think the team did a fantastic job. And they, when Trillium came calling in 2006, uh, they acquired a great company and uh, I moved on from there. So that's a positive history. Oh, wow. Wow. That sounds phenomenal. It's, it's like the pre-social media, right? I mean, because before addresses and having the right address information of a customer was the best way to acquire that customer, build that customer loyalty, and really engage with the customer, right? Because there was no social media back then. So that, that was pretty much 
the beginning of social media in a way, right? Uh, because that was the only way we could get a hold of people. That's phenomenal. And so I know you've had a lot of experience in e-commerce and, and working with, with humongous retailers, right? Multi-billion dollar companies. Uh, and of course, we're literally already into the third holiday season after, you know, pandemic, inflation, uh, and all these factors that are driving everybody a little bit crazy, you know? And I want to ask you, what are some of the key trends that you are seeing right now for how shoppers are spending and behaving in store, right? Versus online shopping. Yeah. So it's, it's a, a landscape that continues to shift, right? And obviously, you'll see this uh, in, in your own activities and, and the folks that you're talking to. So I've spent the last 10 years working with Locate. Uh, we work with around 15,000 different organizations worldwide. About 60% of those are broadly in commerce, e-commerce and retail. So from the very smallest kind of like mom and pop shop selling T-shirts from their back bedrooms right the way through to uh, Nordstrom and Sephora and Nike and eBay, uh, we kind of get that very broad view into, into the retail landscape. So without sort of hashing through all the things that we've talked about that have seen us over the last uh, kind of three cycles, I guess what we've seen is, is a number of key factors. One a lot of people that started shopping online for the first time because they had to have, have, have built confidence and trust in the online experience. I think some of our initial feelings that many of those shoppers would, would kind of stay online as their preference, maybe have been a little bit tempered with uh, more of a return to uh, physical bricks and mortar shopping um, than we expected. But I think from that, maybe we'll dig into this, has emerged far more of a kind of a hybrid ready and hybrid hungry uh, kind of shopping community. Uh, they expect to be seen and recognized and remembered, uh, but they, uh, they'll probably flip between their preferences on any given day or experience as to whether they head down to a physical store, whether they'll browse online, shop in store, or do everything online. And I guess it's that there are lots of trends, but I think that, that kind of hybrid segment of, of the shopping community, I think for us, is the one that's kind of really elevated over this period of time. And and talking about the hybrid customer, I really like that you mentioned that because I feel like the whole concept, obviously, with social media, even before pandemic, right, has always increased over and over again into instant gratification, right? The, the consumer is more and more and more about instant gratification. And now that you have this hybrid of, hey, I'll buy it on Instagram, or I'll buy it on Facebook, or I'll buy it on eBay or Amazon or whatever the case might be, or I'll go to the store because today I feel like dressing up, right? <laughs> so how does a retailer really adapt to that, right? Because now you have, it's, it seems like the job, uh, not just multiplied, maybe, you know, it, it magnified in so many different avenues and in so many different instances that now the retailer has to have, you know, twice the size of labor because you have to have your Instagram expert and your Facebook manager expert and you have to have your Amazon, right? And now obviously Walmart wants to create their own Amazon environment. Well, they already pretty much created it. And okay. now you pretty much have, right? Multiple corporate employees trying to cater to all these different selling channels, right? Uh, and, and where is the best way for people to really invest into that, right? Obviously, if you're a multi-billion dollar client, you know, retailer, you have the budget, right? You don't really care. But for that mid-sized small retailer that wants to grow, that wants to impact the market, it seems like it's a never-ending story of, oh, now TikTok, now this, now that, you know, and it just becomes a never-ending story. Where do you recommend for them to, to focus, right? To, to kind of 
simmer that and, and funnel that all that activity. Yeah, wow, what a what a fantastic question. I, I, you know, we're, we're having this conversation in the the fall of of, of twenty twenty two. I'm sure people will be watching this for years to come, right? So I'll look back <laughs> and, and see what we were talking about there. I'm, I'm I'm probably, as my teenagers would say, I'm probably too old to talk about TikTok and uh, and some of these new channels. But uh, I think what we can reflect on is that there has just been this explosion in in av- availability of social media, and then. Even more recently, to your point, the uh, the economization of, of social media. So even just this week, uh, ByteDance TikTok were talking about how to uh, get more e-commerce uh, traffic through 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 that channel. So I think I would probably come back to a central point because there's there's so many channels that we could talk about. So I think for retailers, they they have to kind of really get to know who their customers are and understand those behaviors. Think about the channels that are right for the for the business that they're in, the demographic that they serve, the type of customers that they're, that they're selling to or are buying from them. And I think the, the way to do that, kind of the golden thread to help them to navigate through all these different channels is data. And some of that time it will just be pretty core data. You, know, you need to know who your customers are, where they are, the things that are driving their purchasing habits, if they, if it's fast fashion, that's kind of one set of challenges. If it's more considered higher end purchases, but location data, for instance, will often drive your ability to get ahead of trends, whether it's seasonality or whether it's weather related. So, I'll give you an example here in the UK, we had a, a, a weirdly warm uh, fall. So uh, the retailers that were all stocking up on, you know, warm clothing for the fall are all terrified because they have warehouses full of stuff that couldn't sell. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you'd use location data to help to predict some of these trends. But I think whichever channel is right for, for you and your brand and your business, then I think it's it's just coming back to that core question, which is a traditional one. Yeah, who is my customer? Where are they appearing? And kind of making sure that within the right context, if I appear uh, as a buyer on Instagram and then I turn up at your store or I'm on some other channel, remember me use the data that i've shared i've consented to be shared remember me so that my experience i can kind of duck in and duck out and it's not this looks weird because it's tiktok or this looks really new because it's some other media channel remember who i am try and present me with a kind of coherent response so that your brand is recognizable to me and me as a consumer i'm recognizable to you and data is that golden thread is the glue that allows that to happen Absolutely, absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, but I want to say that for for the small retailer, right, or the mid-sized business that's that's trying to find that, uh, really, is the first step is to target on, on on focus on who your target audience is based on almost like a, like a segment of age group, right? Because I feel like there's always that mistake that almost every entrepreneur has or every small retailer has that they think everybody's their consumer. Right. And everybody's their client and everybody from age 19 to age 55, they all shop for me, you know, and it's a very common and very big mistake that everybody makes, because usually that age factor is six to 12 years. Right. It's a range of six to 12 years of who your target audience really is, your hard caught audience. Right. And. Would you, would you say that maybe a lot of these retailers, they, they tend to sometimes get lost into thinking, oh, we have a spike, right? Maybe in the 40-year-old market, or we have a spike in the 20s. And then because of that spike, they start pursuing other channels and, and they forget their customer or their core customer. Yeah, I think there's there's a real potential for that. And and 
probably remembering where your customers are most likely to show up without making kind of uh, assumptions that might come back to bite you. So I think we were, we were chatting before about the, the holiday survey that Locate published uh, just at the beginning of the holidays. And there was one thing that stood out to me on, on the use of device. So we think about channels and devices used, where although the majority of shoppers tell us that they're more likely to use a mobile device, tablet or, or, or phone or smartphone to shop, than they would do uh, a desktop or a laptop type device. 57%, if you break that down, of older shoppers are going to be on a desktop or a laptop. So they're- Wow, 57%? Yeah, of older shoppers are going to be using uh, literally a a computer. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe not a huge surprise, uh, just in terms of, of kind of behaviors. But then the way that you'll present your brand and the shopping experience through you know, a, a larger screen, a different type of experience, maybe it's not someone that's shopping on the go, they're having a more considered shopping experience online. Again, that will inform how you bring your offer to, to, to those consumers. So it's, it's checking in regularly as to that consumer sentiment. We've run this holiday shopper survey for the last, I think, four years. Mm-hmm. And every year we kind of see more of a move to mobile. Uh, we're seeing more of a move to hybrid shopping. And, and we're seeing sentiments, uh, I guess we'll, we'll dig into on how you fulfill your shoppers' expectations are getting more and more uh, kind of acute, I would say. I think shoppers are becoming a lot more demanding. You talked about instant gratification. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think one thing we can maybe drill into now or a little bit later is I think that instant gratification is definitely there when it comes to shopping. I expect, I think most of us expect just to be able to do it wherever we are at our convenience. But I, I'm, we're sensing some changing sentiment kind of post-transaction. Do I need it tomorrow? Do I need it in three hours time? Uh, am I more conscious now of the environmental impacts of some of this really rapid fulfillment uh, infrastructure? So I think that side of the equation, I think we're sensing is starting to is develop. But I think the instant gratification, if I want it, I want to buy it like this instant. That's not going away, right? Okay, okay, okay. So so the desire to purchase it on the spot continues to grow. However, you guys are seeing, on, on, as based on your survey results, that the on-time delivery, right, the delivery of in 15 minutes or in a couple of hours, that desire is starting to fade away Like the, the, because the, the consumer is trying, starting to be more conscious about Okay, how is my delivery being accomplished and how can I help the environment? Because I feel like there's a lot of go green mentality, right? Especially in the youth. Like if you see the young consumers and that's impacting, I think, or or I want to say it's becoming contagious almost, right? Across all ages to really be aware of that. And so talking about on-time delivery, right? And how important it is to consumers and the impacts, how the relationship and, and the loyalty, right? I think for the past couple of years, the quicker I could get it, the more loyal I was to that brand, right? Which is really what made, I think, Amazon kind of stand out from everybody else, right? But now that you guys are seeing that 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 desire, that trend diminish, right? Because people are more aware or they want to be more conscious and they want to help the environment. Where do you see that shifting then? And, and how much should retailers really put into that and invest into that last mile delivery aspect of things uh, versus other areas of the business? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think you'd start with obviously looking at what is it you're selling. So if it's Uber Eats or DoorDash, yeah, clearly you need those goods delivered <laughs> <laughs> before they get cold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this time, this time next week is 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 no good. Um, 
what we saw during the pandemic, uh, particularly in, in in Europe, although not not uniquely, was the kind of the rising up of these uh, just kind of mega quick grocery delivery businesses. So Gopher and Getir and uh, GoPuff, there are a whole bunch of them, and they all raised huge amounts of money. Uh, and they were running kind of dark grocery stores in city centers. So I could do kind of grocery shopping and have items delivered within 15 minutes if I lived in a large city. And there was a lot of expectation that this was the future of kind of grocery shopping. In reality, those businesses have really, really struggled. Um, and even the, the kind of the hot food delivery, the DoorDashes, the Deliveroo's, Just Eats, have seen their businesses um, kind of scale back. So let's kind of put that to one side. Mm -hmm. I think the, the there's two aspects to delivery expectation. I think one is when it needs to arrive by, and I think increasingly we're seeing that that shoppers just kind of want more choice. If I'm shopping for something I'm wearing tomorrow, I need it tomorrow, and if you let me down, I'm going to respond badly. Uh, but if I don't need it for a few days or a week, then that's fine. Give me choice. But equally, don't then let me down. Just because I've given you kind of a bit more slack uh, don't think I'm 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 not going to care if it doesn't arrive when I've chosen it. Maybe in a few days or a week's time. I think that's what we see come through when we ask those questions about on-time delivery. We're not actually saying tomorrow or any given fixed period of time. We're asking consumers how do they feel about on-time delivery and and those expectations being missed. And, and we talked a little bit about older shoppers. So those baby boomers, forty-six percent of them said they're unlikely to shop with a retailer who missed their delivery expectations. That's almost half, which is, yeah. which is really quite devastating, isn't it? If you were to let one of that kind of cohort down. Uh, millennials and Gen Zs are a bit more forgiving, uh, but equally, you're still talking about 28, 30% uh, are saying they won't, if they have a choice, they won't shop you with you again if you let them down. And, and that becomes particularly um, acute if it's gifting. So mm -hmm. uh, this time of year, well, we're talking about peak period and, and the purchases, obviously, with, with Thanksgiving just come around and now going into the, to the holidays. If we miss someone's expectations, we fail to deliver, and it was a gift, maybe someone's traveling to go see family, then that sentiment hardens up even more so. And then and, and the number of shoppers that will go elsewhere if they can uh, just, just, just continues to grow. So I think for, for, for brands and, and online retailers, it's okay. It's good to give choice. It's okay not to have to deliver everything by tomorrow. I think there's more of a social conscience coming in. To the <laughs> uh, but whatever the consumer chooses, just don't let them down on that because a lot of us will will vote with our feet if we possibly can. Absolutely, absolutely. No, and, and that's so great and so important, right? Because sometimes I think a lot of retailers believe that, oh, my product is so unique or so different or so special that the consumer will wait no matter when, you know? And like you said, making it on time to the expectation you provided to the consumer, it, it's key, right? It's as key as how good your product is because there's always going to be another retailer with the great idea that you have, right? And it's going to come and it might, it's going to have a very similar product. And talking about that, I know that uh, there's about 52% of American consumers, according to the report, that retailers, you know, that they really care about the availability of the product. Right. And that really impacts the, the loyalty they have to that retail brand. So what do you think this says about retail customers, loyalty and CX programs, you know? 
Yeah, and I think this is this is probably where location data has such an important role to play, particularly in, in the retail space. So think about accurate location data throughout that journey. So uh, maybe as a starting point, you see a consumer for the first time on your on your site, and uh, when they check out, there's a few things you can do to improve the chances that they're going to convert and actually uh, carry their transaction through to a purchase. One of those things we know is to simplify checkout. If you present a customer with, with lots and lots of fields to fill in, the uh, the likelihood of, of abandoning that checkout is much, much higher. So capturing the customer's address, which you need for delivery, you know, do that with a single field. Use autocomplete checkout. That's what we do at Locate, and uh, we do that really well, and we do it globally. But simplify the checkout. Why? Because it drives conversion. And also, you've now got a really valuable piece of location data. Now it comes to fulfilling that order, right? So where is your stock? Where is your inventory? If you are a, if you are a national or a multinational, uh, you need to plan the the, the the distribution of that inventory. And you'll have done that ahead of time using lots of clever stuff, and your algorithms will help you to predict where that inventory is going to be needed. But they are all fed by location data. Location of your customers, as we talked about, external factors like weather and seasonality, other events that could be driving particular demand spikes. But I think that that stat that you quote from my report just tells us that consumers are becoming more aware of the issues around availability because the headline news has told us about uh, supply chain uh, difficulties globally. Um, whether we see you know global events, whether it's war in Europe or the pandemic or gas prices uh, impeding availability of stock. Sometimes, you know, for the first time, some of us have just not been able to buy stuff that we've just mm-hmm. spent our lives knowing that we could just buy it and be here tomorrow. And suddenly we're like, not available? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's, that's becoming a topic that, that, that consumers generally are getting more uh, familiar with. So ensuring that whether it's appropriate alternatives are in the right place for the right time of delivery. And then ultimately, that, that piece of address data or location data right the way downstream is going to enable the, you know, the, the driver of a truck coming to my home to, to find me first time, to do it quickly, without waste. And that's the other thing I think consumers are becoming more aware of. If someone has to try and deliver to me two or three times because they couldn't find me, all that extra gas that's being used is wasteful. I don't know, not everybody, but more shoppers are a lot more environmentally focused. Mm-hmm. So availability is on our minds. Let us down. We're going to be unhappy. Uh, be wasteful in your attempts to reach me. I'm not happy. Right in the middle of all of those kind of multiple competing issues is accurate location data, which is not the only thing retailers have to think about, but it's a really important thing. Absolutely. And and so knowing now that there's a, such an importance, right, and such a value that consumers are putting in the availability of the product, right, because of the lack of the same in many occasions, right? What are some of additional steps that you would recommend brands can take in order to make that particular area, right? If you have the products, if they're available, how can you make that shine, right? Uh, because that's just one of the many supply chain issues that are happening right now. And I'm sure there's a lot more to come that are going to come hand in hand with the, with the inflation that it seems like it's never going to end, uh, which hopefully that starts decreasing at some point. Uh, but so what are some of the things they can do in order to really highlight that that's offering that they have, you know? I think we've seen coming into this peak period, um, you had the pressures of, of, of inflation, the cost of living, which was impacting consumers, uh, all of us, 
uh, greatly. So I think as we saw leading into Black Friday, and obviously we've now come out of that, we're getting a sense of what went on. You know, it wasn't a complete catastrophe for, for, for many uh, retailers. There was a softening of, of demand. Uh, so sort of recognizing that, but also ensuring that your offers and the timing of those offers are appropriate to the, those kind of macroeconomic um, impacts. The availability of, of, of goods um, is something that, uh, I say, needs to be front of mind for, for retailers, but also managing that, that inventory so that you're not overstocking and then having to bear the cost of that. And, and I think understanding consumer expectation and sentiment is going to be an important thing. Obviously, it was an important thing leading up to, to this weekend just gone over Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which was yesterday, uh, and then on into, into the next wave of, of holiday shopping. I think also understanding there's going to be a little bit of kind of wait and see. We're seeing a lot of, of retailers of uh, have seen uh, kind of delayed purchasing. So whereas they might have seen activity two, three weeks before the Thanksgiving weekend, some of that was being left very, very late. Uh, but then consumers still want things to be delivered on time. So I think the, the 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 retailers who are able to act in a more of an agile way, whether it comes to the management of their inventory, the management of their, their delivery infrastructure, uh, and ensuring good communication with their customers. One last point I would make, uh, a lot of retailers now are obviously well. Most will accept digital wallets, right? So you know, yeah. you and I probably use Apple Pay, or I, I certainly do all the time, and and, and that creates a wonderfully friction-free uh, checkout experience. But what we're seeing quite a lot of retailers do is just prior to that payment um, execution, to still ask for. Uh, a preferred delivery address, even though you could have captured that from my Apple Pay profile, but to get the address before that process ensures that you can then set expectations about availability. Because you might have that item in stock, but it's it's a long way away and it's going to take some time to bring so mm. that consumer in. So it's again being thoughtful about where you use it. You know, my wheelhouse is location data, so I think about how we improve processes by the use of location data. That's just one example of how being thoughtful about how you can set customer expectation, then you can get into your your, your general questions around you know, delivery time and, and method and, and so on and so forth. So I think it just comes under that heading, as you've alluded to, that consumers are becoming more demanding, more expectant, but also more, I think, understanding in some of these global pressures that are affecting all businesses. Absolutely, absolutely. And and one last question I want to ask you, you know, as because the holiday season just started, right? So a lot of things are going to come. Uh, a lot of retailers put promotions way in advance, right? I think because of that desire to want to get rid of inventory, right? Because there was there was that concern of how many shoppers were actually going to make that transaction happen. Uh, but as retailers continue to approach the holiday season, the bigger dates, the, the more things that are going to continue to happen, what are some of the, the steps you know, that a lot of these brands can take in order to build that customer loyalty? Because I think one of the big things that people should not miss out is maybe your sales are not going to be strong as previous years because of all the factors that we very well mentioned, but it's definitely an opportunity to create loyalty awareness and, and that really loyalty brand experience to your consumer so that come end of the year, come the beginning of the next year, you have acquired new customers, right? So not just focus on the sales, but also focus on, on the acquisition of, of that consumer. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think when we have these types of discussions, which we do a lot during during the peak period, there's a recognition that there's probably not a great deal that, that retailers can change in their core operations right mm-hmm. in the white heat of, of the peak period. Uh, so I would say it, during this period of time, just focus on excellence when it comes to delivering, no, no pun intended, against customers' expectations <laughs> with kind of how you've got your setup in place already, right? I think when we come out of this holiday period and then the dust you know, gets shaken down into the new year after the new year sales, I think re-look again at the the, uh, at the construct of your checkout. So look at ways to simplify the checkout, look at ways to improve conversion. You know, the, the address capture is, is one of those. Beyond that, I think then... We started talking about data at the beginning of this conversation as being that kind of golden thread helps you to identify who your customers are so you can see them and recognize them each time they interact with you. I think that's a great opportunity when you come out of the, the kind of the chaos of the peak period is to look at the data that you have about your customers. Look really closely about what the, that tells you about your customers. All those other forms of contact media that you have, their cell phone numbers, their email addresses, their social media channels, all those things that customers have shared with you because they want to, refresh those, make sure that they're still usable and accurate. A whole bunch of services available to do that so that your ability to see your customers and remember them and recognize them uh, is, is even greater than before. And then before we know it, we'll be coming into the peak next year and you'll have a, a cleaner, more friction-free uh, checkout experience. Your customers are going to love it. And then you're going you're gonna to recognize them better when they appear through TikTok or Instagram or goodness knows whatever else, or they walk into your store and you're going to be able to see them, understand them, meet their needs, deliver effectively, and data is the tool that's going to get you there. But not so much you can change right now, but start having those conversations early so you're ready to make those changes. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. It was it was a very insightful conversation. And for everybody out there, you know, Matthew is definitely, I, as we talked about, a location technology expert. If you guys need help in your business uh, as, as you face in the next year, right, and you want to improve your business, you want to maybe talk about how to improve the checkout experience, what are some of the suggestions, Matthew and team are always available, right? And we'll put their information here at the bottom of the screen. Uh, so, you know, as you've heard, they're definitely experts on the field. And if you guys need help to improve your business, which there's always opportunity to improve, please definitely reach out. And Matthew, thank you so much for your time uh, on the other side of the world. I greatly appreciate it for taking your, your evening or your afternoon uh, for talking with us. And I look forward to talking in the future and seeing how things are progressing and then the next year's survey, how it's coming along. I think it'll be great if we can chat once a year and see what differences you guys are seeing year after year. Hey, listen, Carlos, thank you so much for your time. Great to talk to you today and uh, look forward to coming back and reflecting on what happens next. Absolutely. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email us at podcast at retailcorner.live or visit our website, retailcorner.live. Looking forward to having you as our guest on our podcast and thank you so much for listening.